Hello, hello. Hey, what's up, man? I apologize for that Amber Heard uh, moment. That's okay. Have you ever had that where, like, you're on stage or something, your equipment just shit the bed? Yeah, it, any it, equipment does, like, mystery things live. It'll it'll flash colors and do all kinds of shit that it never, ever, ever does when you're home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, have, uh, I have mystery technical issues all the time. Yeah, I've always heard, like, when I first started doing this, everybody's like, stay away from software, like, it, you know, like uh, like GarageBand or any of those, like, you have to use a PC or a Mac to do it. But obviously, like, a recorder, like, I'm using a Rode, and it has software in it, so the software's going to crash regardless if it's a hardware or, you know, uh, actual piece of software. But, I don't know, I appreciate you coming back on. Yeah, no worries. I, I, saw, I was like, fuck, man, because I knew I had to format the card. But uh, I kept putting it off, putting it off, and because I had deleted some old recordings to save some space, and I'm glad uh, the one I had previously done didn't corrupt, so we should be good now. And if it does again, I got an old H6, but (laughs) I'm praying we don't have to go that route. (laughs) So how did you get started as a DJ? Um, well, I, uh, I kind of... I kind of noticed scratching first. I like I, I played in bands and stuff. I I kind of grew up playing guitar and and playing in bands and doing all that. And uh, I, I listened to to hip hop and rap all my life too. But you know, I think when I I started seeing uh, I started seeing scratching. Like I heard it in like Sublime or Beck. I remember uh, like DJ Logic was uh, he was performing with like Medeski Martin and Wood and and Jack Johnson and um, so the I, when I was like twenty one, I was twenty one, I think, when I got my first set of turntables. And um, when I got the when I got the turntables, it wasn't necessarily to be a DJ. It it was to learn how to scratch. And, um, but eventually I started, you know, I, I started seeing DJs. I saw Z trip and, and that kind of, you, you know, eventually I was, uh, there was like two different bands I was in and I quit both of the bands cause I, I wanted to do the DJ thing. And, uh, eventually it kind of, uh, took over. Um, one really big factor was when I saw there's a documentary called scratch and uh, that definitely kind of uh, put it over the edge as far as is becoming like really intrigued by it and, and obsessed with it. So how long have you been uh, DJing? Uh, or, or, you know, how long, has, I guess how long has music been in your life? Well, I've been, I've been DJing for about 18, 19 years, uh, somewhere in there. But, um, I've always kind of been uh, into music. Like when I was uh, like four or five years old, it was Michael Jackson. And then I got obsessed with like Kiss and, you know, some of the hair bands. And uh, then in middle school, I got into all the like NWA and two live crew and all the like dirty rap. And (laughs) so like all my heroes have always been like, you know, musicians and, and stuff like that. So it's, I've always been very, just a very like uh drawn to music kind of person so what was your uh first thing you put out for the world to see well i uh 
Yeah, I think in 2004, I made a mixtape called Music City, and uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any DJ friends. I didn't have any like MC friends or anything. And uh, I had a roommate, this girl named Mary, and she was dating this guy named uh, John. They used to go by Jughead, and uh, he took me. Uh, in 2004, he took me out to the show in Murfreesboro, uh, where it was a lot of hip hop DJs and MCs. And it was like, you know, uh, you know, DJs were scratching and juggling and it was very like, it was very kind of like true school hip hop. And that's actually how I met several, uh, like lifelong friends and stuff. But I had, a I, I took a box of, of my mixtapes out there uh then there's probably only like 20 people at the show um but i i you know I, I gave a cd to everybody and uh you know a couple people called me back and then i kind of started uh getting to know people in the scene and collabing with people and stuff but yeah like it was like two, 2004 i guess i was you know that was th- back in the cd days so i was yeah, just giving that out to everyone I came across. So when you first started, you said you started with records, or was it CDs? Uh, records. Uh, I the I had no idea what I was doing. Like when I bought turntables, I, I I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't have any DJ friends. I I, I didn't. I just liked it, and uh-huh. I and I think I remember going to like a used record store. And I think uh, once I realized that like 12 inch singles had instrumentals and acapellas on it, um, I became super interested in that. Like the fact that I could, you know, take an acapella from one song and a beat from other song and, and, and mesh them together that and, and trying to learn how to scratch were, were, were sort of the two things that I was really drawn to. And so this is like really pre-internet, right? When you were learning how to do all this shit. So it wasn't like you could just go on YouTube and see some tutorial for mm. it. No, um, no. I, I mean, when I tell you I knew nothing, I knew nothing. Like I, the, you know, when I, when I first got my turntables, they had these like rubber mats on them and I didn't even know that I was supposed to get slip mats. And I was actually, when I was, I was actually, rubbing the entire motor of the turntable back and forth and you know for for those that don't know when somebody's <clears throat> scratching a record you know the turntable's still spinning and you're only you know manipulating the record and i didn't even know that and no, i didn't know uh, that either. I, yeah thank you for educating me i thought oh no yeah yeah, so, yeah <laughs> you know yeah, I didn't... So, so when you stop when you put your hand on the record and stop the record the, mm-hmm. the turntable keep spinning so that way you're only moving like the weight of the record but i was sitting here like wrestling with the whole entire mechanism and uh i used to work at red lobster and and one night a a dude happened to come over to hang out and he kind of saw what i was doing he was you know uh he was like no 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 and he's like you gotta take these rubber mats (laughs) off of here and um he made me some temporary slip mats out of notebook paper. You know, he, he was like, you know, these won't work long term, but it'll work right now. And so he cut uh, the notebook paper into a circle and put it on there. And he's like, he's like, now he's like, when you rub the record back and forth, you know, you're, it's just the record and, and the, the turntable wow. continues to spin. And so instead of like 
moving 10 pounds back and forth, you know, you're just, you're moving this super light little record. So yeah. Uh, like you said there, it was, it was pre YouTube. Um, eventually I, eventually I came across a, a DVD by a DJ Cubert that was kind of like break. And that was just for scratching. It wasn't necessarily for like mixing or DJing, but, uh, I eventually got a DVD that kind of broke down a lot of the different types of scratching techniques and stuff. So that was, that was kind of the Holy grail at the moment. I got you. Oh, you said something about scratching and then you said something about juggling. What is juggling or jug? Or okay. Jug- so yeah. uh, uh beat juggling. So, all right. So beat. Okay. So beat juggling is an advanced version of of what's called like back cueing so this this kind of goes back to the entire uh birth of of hip-hop so um i'm sure i know you've heard the term break dancing yeah and so the reason break dancing is called break dancing is because djs when they would dig for records uh they would look for what was called the break and uh like for instance uh there there might be a James Brown song and, you know, it's a whole regular song. There might be like 20 seconds where it's just the drummer, Mm -hmm. you know, it all, you know, it breaks down and they call that the break. So what DJs would do is they would get two copies of that same record and they would on the right turntable, they would play that 20 second break. And right as the break would, was about to end, they would seamlessly begin the break again on the other turntable. And so they would extend the break. So now this like 20 second uh, piece of the, uh, of the song is now going on for five, 10 minutes. And then the dancers would dance to the break. And then that's, uh, that's why it's called break dancing because they were dancing to the break. So the, the original DJs, uh, when they were listening to like whatever's funk, soul, disco, rock, whatever song they were listening to, they were searching for breaks. They were certain searching for a part of the song that was really minimal. <clears throat> you know, there might be a stab. It might be like, bam, and then just a drum beat. And then right when it ended, they would bam on the other turntable. And then they would just keep that loop going forever. But now, so B juggling is, is usually just seen in like dj competitions so it's where you have two copies of the same record and you're kind of down 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 doing and you know kind of creating all these uh really advanced patterns and stuff by using two copies of the same record so originally originally it was you know back cueing to where you would kind of sit there and let it play for 30 seconds and then right when the break was about to end you would have the identical record on the other turntable and so beat juggling is that that started to get faster and more advanced and it's and 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 so that that became a staple of like when you watch a dmc battle or a DJ battle, it's like pretty much it's scratching and it's beat juggling is are, are the two main elements. Uh, so yeah, you don't usually usually you don't see DJs like beat juggling just at at a regular show or where people okay. are dancing or whatever because it, it 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 it's not a dancey thing. It's kind of it's kind of like that's when D, that's more almost like 
it's almost like skateboarding. It's almost like doing tricks or something. So, you know, that's something that's more reserved for like competitions and stuff like that. Mm. So who were some of your influences growing up? Well, um, as far as DJs go, um, uh, Mixmaster Mike definitely uh, caught my attention. A lot of it was in that documentary called Scratch that I mentioned earlier. Um, Mixmaster Mike really made me interested in scratching. Um, and then there was DJ Shadow, who DJ Shadow really made me interested in sampling okay. uh, as far as like going out and, and digging for records and you know uh his dj shadow's very first album uh introducing um the whole album is made of samples from other records so it's like it's that concept of using records to to make your record and then um i went to uh the second second or third bonnaroo that was also around 2003 or 2004 and uh, i saw dj z trip and z trip actually made me want to be a dj like I, he was you know the the old bonnaroos were very very uh like hippie jam bands and and grateful dead and allman brothers and stuff like that and um you know z trip was mashing up grateful dead and like Led Zeppelin and Snoop Dogg. And uh, that was the first place, the first time I saw like mashups. So, you know, I kind of feel like, like Mixmaster Mike made me want to scratch. DJ Shadow made me want to produce. Mm-hmm. And then D- Z Trip made me want to actually learn how to like DJ and rock parties and do mashups and stuff like that. So when you're in your studio and you're fixing to come up with like, so you, or when you go live on Twitch and stuff like that, how do you know what's going to make a good mashup? Like, do you already have it? Like you just listening to beating your head and boom, boom, boom. Are you going to not start knocking stuff out or. Well, um, you know, so usually, you know, there's, so there's, there's basically two parts of the mashup. There's the music and then, then there's the vocals. So sometimes I might hear like a, a rap song, and think like, oh, I would love to mash those vocals up with something. And then sometimes I hear like some old rock song or I'll be out somewhere. And, uh, you know, a lot of my mashups are with older rock songs. And so sometimes I hear the music part, uh, like, for instance, like, you know, let's like I hear like a Black Sabbath song or mm-hmm. something. I'm like, oh, I want to make a mashup out of this song. Um, I figure out, you know, you know the tempo first of all and uh, a lot of times it's trial and error like a lot of times i might get a a music or a beat like i might make a beat out of a black sabbath song and then i'll sit there and try it with a bunch of different acapellas and a bunch of different vocals and um you know like some some rap songs are uh melodic and and some are more atonal like and um what I first noticed is a lot of DJs when I first started DJ and I noticed a lot of DJs, they, they understood the tempo thing, but they were missing uh, things being in key. Uh, like a good example of that is like, there's a song, uh, if I rule the world by Nas. Mm-hmm. And so Nas raps the verse and then Lauren Hill sings the chorus. Well, Nas rapping is atonal. So you could, 
as long as you put the, the that Nas verse, you know, if it's uh, 97 beats per minute or whatever, as long as your beat is 97 beats per minute, it's going to link up and sound good. But when the Lauren Hill part comes in, if it's not also in key, then, then it's going to sound kind of bad and it's going to sound like the singing is off key. So um, the one of the first mashups I ever made was it was uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty. And uh, it was the song Elevators by Outkast. And both of the songs were close to the same tempo. And both of those songs were also an A minor. So the, the, the Tom Petty, Mary Jane's Last Dance riff was an A minor. And then the, the chorus to the Outkast song is the me and you, your mama and your cousin too. And that was an A minor too. So that's how, you know, I, I like to keep things like uh, musically correct and uh but it is a lot of trial and error like a lot of times i'll just i'll hear some old song and be like oh i'd love to make a mashup out of that and um you know i have a i have a big acapella collection with all the, you know all the vocals and so you know sometimes i'll sit there and i'll have i'll have a beat going and i'll try the beastie boys i'll then i'll try wu-tang and then i'll try Ludacris, and then i'll try biggie and um and you know and, and sometimes i use more than one you know sometimes i sometimes mashups are just two things but uh there's been some times where like i thought several different rappers sounded good so i just would kind of make a whole like collage what did you think about excuse me what did you think about the gray album oh man um i mean it's incredible uh it you know that was also one of my first exposures uh to mashups too and now you know the the gray album is interesting too because he really like he kind of you know he used the 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 beatles as the source material but like some of those songs like you you don't necessarily even know what beatles song it is because he's he's flipping those samples so hard but um but yeah the 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 gray album was a, a a huge huge influence and and, you know part of it was like for for me personally like i grew up in kind of like a classic rock and roll household my parents and my older brother was all you know beatles and rolling stones and um all that stuff and and when i and i used to play that i used to be in bands and kind of play rock and roll (coughs) and when i first started uh djing i became really hyper focused with hip hop and mm-hmm. I would I would read books about the origins and and um there was a moment when I was really getting into hip hop and DJ and then I kind of felt like I was leaving my classic rock roots behind and I think that was sort of the appeal to uh to mashups for me personally because once I saw Z Trip using uh like Led Zeppelin and Grateful Dead and mashing it up with like Snoop Dogg or Ludacris whoever then i was like oh i don't have to leave all i don't have to leave my classic rock roots behind like all of this stuff can mix together and then that led to me making like the tom petty and outcast mashup and there's definitely that a big moment of excitement where i realized that i didn't quit rock and roll 
uh, to do hip hop that rock and roll actually and and funk and soul and like hip hop is sort of a hodgepodge of of all the the music you know because it came from records and DJ and so hip hop is is jazz and funk and soul and R and B and rock and roll and disco like all those uh, you know types of music exist within that and so that was a huge um you know a, appeal for me because and especially when i realized that people were making like rock mashups i was like oh shit like i can all my rock and all my beatles and rolling stones and all that now is can be candidates for what i'm doing as a dj yeah so like how do y'all go about like how do you go about like i don't know like how what is the laws on this like do you just do you have to send like the record label up like like a permission slip or something? Like what? How how does that work? I have no idea. Like no, uh, no. It's I mean it's very it's very kind of wild west and 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 bootleggish. You know I don't um, I don't sell like my mashups. You know I put them online. You can download them for free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it it's gotten a little stricter over the years uh you know i i started you know i used to upload my, my mashups and remixes to myspace and there was never a problem uh and then that moved to soundcloud you know occasionally um something will just get deleted you know the only time you would really get in trouble is if they like asked you to take something down and you didn't mm. uh it, it and or or if you're not like you're selling an album like if i put an album out like on a record label and it was selling really well and then had uncleared samples on it then that would be a problem but that's that's not what i do you right. know I, I i i make my money playing shows uh or you know uh, selling tickets or selling merch and stuff like that my music is free um and i've noticed that like the more you mess with like songs that are like super hot and charting at the moment, the more you're probably uh, going to get it deleted. You know, like if, if Kanye or Jay-Z or somebody came out with a brand new song tomorrow and I made a remix of that, there's a chance that that might get deleted. But, you know, a lot of times I'm remixing some like Van Halen song from 1984. And, and, and so a lot of times the older Older music isn't being policed as hard as things oh, okay. that are, are currently charting and, and currently selling a lot. So, but you know, the simple answer is I don't sell it. I don't. I don't sell. I my I put it up there for free. Um, you know, a lot of artists embrace it. It's it's a little bit more. Uh, it, it's a little less esoteric than it used to be. Like I, you know, I when I put out like a, the big boy and black keys album, like both, both parties supported it. So, you know, big boy was, uh, liked it and the black keys liked it and they both posted it and it gave, it gave my mashup album a big boost and like everybody was happy. So, um, and I've had, I've had other artists, you know, uh, post mashups and stuff I've done to them. So I, I think, you know, there's there's that you know when 
in the early days of rap, there was sort of people were using uncleared samples. So I think sampling was introduced to the world. It kind of got off on a bad foot. People were like, you know, they just stole a song and rapped over it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that stuff did happen. But like nowadays, like if you're a rock band or you're a pop singer or something like that, it's actually it's actually to your benefit if DJs are remixing and mashing up your stuff. It just because it gives you more exposure. So, you know, nowadays... You know, I mean, I've had artists come to me and be like, will you will you make a mashup or, will, you know, will you make a remix of my stuff? Because because uh, DJing has obviously just become so much bigger uh, than it used to be. And so um, but no, I mean, technically it is illegal to use in any part of of anything. You know, there's a lot of myths like you can use up to eight seconds and none none of that shit is true. It's <laughs> it's it, it's technically uh illegal, but uh that's you know that's why I don't sell it. And uh you know if anybody wants me to delete something or take something down or blah 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 I I, I gladly do it. You know I don't lock horns on that. So you basically just do it and and you know, and see what happens. But I've had very, very, very little problems. And and nowadays it's it's uh it's algorithms now. You know, if you if I upload a song to SoundCloud, it'll either like accept it or reject it immediately. Uh, and then you know, there's no you're not like getting into trouble or anything. They're just like, no, you you can't can't stream that here. So. Uh, it's a little stricter than it used to be and it and kind of sucks and you know but but no for the most part uh you know i i just do it and um i i feel like i'm paying homage and and supporting uh people i remix like you were you were asking about like walk the line earlier like like something like walk the line by johnny cash if if I'm DJing a festival and I'm playing like a heavy bass music mm-hmm. set and it's a bunch of young people getting rowdy, you couldn't just drop the original version of walk the line. Cause that would kill all the energy. So the fact that the fact that I have like a heavy bass music remix of walk the line, I, I feel like I'm, I'm exposing all these young people to artists like Johnny cash and, and the Beatles and stuff like that through, through, uh remixing it and so now it's like you got all these kids getting crunk and head banging and going nuts to to, to johnny cash and, yeah. and the only and the only way to do that is by remixing it and and making it palatable for them and, and making it high energy so it'll match you know the 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 rest of the set when did you create that song uh i think 2013 yeah, because I think, I, like I said before the thing crashed earlier, it was like 2014 when I know when you came to Memphis and played the high tone. And that's yeah. when I saw you play there. I remember yeah. you sharing that with me, Tony. Like, I think it was on Facebook or probably yeah. YouTube. Or you, yeah, you sent it to me YouTube. and I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I was like, <laughs> this is fucking badass. Because I've never heard anything like that before, you know? And then. Who was the other guy in the in the song with you? There was another artist. Uh, that's, that's uh, he goes by Fuchs. Um, he's uh, a friend of mine uh, from Nashville. We've, we've done a lot of collabs together. He actually, um, he actually went on, he makes like uh, children's music now. Oh, he really? makes, 
Yeah, he makes like uh, he kind of. I'm not sure how he how, how he got into that, but he kind of like makes. He was uh, actually just nominated uh, for a Grammy, but yeah, he makes um he makes a lot of like children's music, uh, a lot of songs, you know, about like uh, Earth Day, mm. uh, like Indigenous Peoples Day, uh, like Black History Month. A lot of uh, it's it's really cool, really positive stuff. Like selfishly, I wish that he still worked with me, <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm also really really happy for him, and I think what he's doing is very very positive uh and and very cool and 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 he's having some success with it but yeah um he he goes by future way 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 back in the day he went by future and then of course there was like the rapper future mm-hmm. uh came out and blew up so he he changed his name to future that's kind of where that comes from but yeah he's um uh, he's on he he raps on the on the the walk the line remix uh he also raps on my remix of do you love me um that grindhouse bastards that uh quentin tarantino themed album um i did he's he's on that and uh and then the first there's a christmas <coughs> christmas mix I, I put out and there's a, a grinch song that he raps on that too so I, i've done a bunch of stuff with him he's he's incredibly talented and he's usually one or two takes nails it. You know, he's a machine. Well, let's think about all the people like you were just saying earlier that you introduced Johnny cash to with the song, all the young people, just like how mad dog, when he was writing his little longboard down and he flipped with Mac, people were like, Oh, yeah. what's this new, all the new kids were like, what's this new music? Who are these people? And that, you know, they had millions and millions of record sales and, or downloads and streams and stuff because of this one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that'll, you know, that'll do it, you know, that'll, and and like I said, like with old songs like that, the remix is necessary. It's like, I could, I could remix a Lil Wayne song, but I could probably get away with just playing the regular version of the Lil Wayne. That shit probably slaps too. Mm -hmm. But when you get into old songs from like fifties and the sixties and stuff like that, they don't really, they're very small and, and, you know, and in mono and not a lot of bass. So it's like, you couldn't, you couldn't even play that stuff in a DJ set next to these big, bassy, huge songs. So if you, you know, so that's, it's fun for me to kind of like, you know, get into like older music and and it's you know taking older music and kind of like re reformatting it or like repurposing it to sound modern is a lot of fun. What's something you're currently working on now? Um. Right now I have been, I, I make a lot of, uh, I make a lot of instrumental stuff. You know, if I'm one thing that I always do, I, I, I make beats a lot and I make beats just because I enjoy doing it. And music has been, music has been my job. Uh, you know, it's been my career now for, uh, you know, since about 2011, and one thing I've I've done over the years is every time I sit down in the studio and start making something, I'm not trying to make something to release because I kind of feel like I would go nuts. Um, I I like to just do it uh, just to do it. So a lot of times I, I it's very like zen inducing for me. I come in the studio, I got my coffee, I'll make a beat, and then I'll just throw that in a folder. And uh, long story short, 
uh, a lot of those beats, uh, you know, get, you know, they they stack up and, and, you know, for every one out of one out of every, you know, six or seven or something I, I really like. So I'm wanting to start a, a series called Wicked Strumentals where occasionally like, you know, do like a volume one and volume two uh, and start releasing uh, some of these instrumentals. Uh, it's a little bit niche. But I, I personally, I love listening to instrumentals. I listen to inter- instrumental hip hop all the time. Like I'll just, I'll go to Spotify or YouTube and just be like Ninth Wonder Beats or Mad Lib Beats, Jay Dilla Beats or whatever. And um, I think it's really fun to listen to instrumental hip hop because there's like, you can kind of daydream to it. And, you know, it's like, if if you're lit, you know, when, when somebody's, you know, when there's vocals in a song, whatever that song's about, whether it's about an apple or about a car or about walking down the street, you're thinking about whatever they're talking about. Um, but listening to instrumental music for me is like really cathartic. Cause like you can kind of, you know, whether maybe you're stressed out about a relationship or your boss or whatever, you can kind of, if there's something you need to, to, to process, you can kind of just, you know, you, when you listen to instrumental music, it's like that song can kind of be about whatever you want it to be about. So I really, I really love beats. You know, I, I love rap. I love vocals. I love singers and rappers. I love that too. But there's something really special to me personally, like about instrumental music, because it can kind of, it can, it can, it can be whatever you want it to be. And you can listen to it and kind of think and, process whatever you might need to think about or process while you listen to it and so um years and years ago i put out an album called wicked instrumentals but that's been like 15 years so i think i'm going to start fresh and and do a wicked instrumentals volume one uh and then ever so often uh put out another volume of that and then aside from that i haven't made any like heavy bass music actually in a long time and i think it's I think it's about time to do that again too. Cause that's, I can't make that all the time. It's a very like intense process. It's a little bit more complicated um, to make really heavy bass music. You run into a lot of more like technical stuff and you got to, you know, it's, but so I take breaks from that, but uh, I, you know, I think pretty soon I'm going to, try to kind of start making kind of, kind of like the walk the line remix and like the stuff I play live, like, you know, the buildups and drops. And yeah. big. So uh, I think it's about time for me to get into some of that again, too. So I was on um, TikTok. Somebody had sent me something on TikTok, and you know, on like TikTok, it's like, uh, you know, the algorithm will just push it to you that you don't follow. And I yeah. saw this guy, let me play this for you real quick. And I, if you can tell me possibly how he did it or whatever, or is it something that y'all do? So, like, when you're doing that kind of stuff, like, what's the process behind all that? Like, I guess you you first get inspired by, like, DMX or the lollipop or the... (laughs) what is your thought process behind that i can only speculate you know because but i 
my guess would be that that person heard lollipop and was and wanted to you know wanted to to flip it would you know be my guess and and so you know one thing the first thing is that it has like halftime drums so like the original song is like lollipop lollipop and you know and soon as you put those like slow halftime drums on there then all of a sudden it kind of sounds like a dirty south song you know Mm -hmm. then it's like lollipop lollipop oh you know with those like halftime drums and um you know, and then basically the the bass in that song was actually in key. So whatever notes the the bass player was playing in the original, that's what they were doing on there. But you know, they're obviously using those big modern eight oh eight boomy uh bass sounds. But yeah, I would speculate that they heard Lollipop and thought like, yo, this could probably make a really like slap and beat. Yeah. You know, and 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 it did, but uh, I'm all about those halftime drums. Like that's sort of uh, growing up listening to to all different kinds of hip hop. You know, a lot of the like New York and West Coast stuff was more like mid tempo, and and it was like it was like UGK and and Three Six Mafia and some of those Southern dudes. They they started they they had those real slow beats that you know that kind of the that makes you want to like throw throw mm-hmm. the bows uh so yeah so yeah any kind of song that's like kind of fast like that like lollipop it's definitely a good candidate to like throw those nice slow dirty style halftime drums up underneath it and uh yeah that's a that's a that's a good one i might have to dig that one up yeah i'll have him uh dm you the the link to okay. it yeah yeah so, yeah that sounded sound pretty good so earlier you were telling me that, you know, that you've been in Nashville since 98, right? And we were talking a little bit about it that, you know, you just, only time you're literally going, doing things when you're touring and stuff like that. Have, with all the boom in Nashville that's happening right now, have you gotten more local work because of that? Um, no. Uh, I I, uh, I used to play in Nashville all the time. I, I really don't play uh, here too much anymore. Um, I do sometimes. Um Nashville can be kind of tough because we're very like spoiled musically and there's so much music all the time. You know, there's always big touring acts coming through here. So it's, you know, there's, you know, a lot of, you know, there might, there's just, there's like an overstimulation of music here, you know? So it, it, um, and I'm I'm a little disconnected, <clears throat> even from the local scene. And uh, you know, I, I, there there are young some younger cats that are doing some stuff. But um, I'd kind of like to maybe start a monthly or something again at some point. But I am as far as like the Nashville like local DJ electronic hip hop scene. I'm I'm pretty disconnected from that. Not on purpose. Not like I'm not trying to be disconnected. Yeah. It just it just kind of happens. You know, I. Cause I used to only play in Nashville, you know, before, uh, before I started touring and, and all that stuff, you know, I, I used to just only play in Nashville and eventually it kind of got to where me, me going to work is, is me either getting in my car and driving somewhere or going to the airport and flying somewhere. And then when I'm home, it's like, I'm off, mm. you know? Uh, so, you. um, but yeah, I would, uh, we 
way back in the day, we did a monthly event called Mashville that was sort of a multi-genre, like open format DJ night. And it was a whole, whole lot of fun and a really, really uh, fun period of my life. And uh, there's a couple cool monthlies here in Nashville. There's a, there's one called, uh, there's the Boom Bap, which is more hip hop based. There's, an, uh, there's another one called Funky Good Time where they only play like the little 45 records and they play like old soul records and stuff. That's a whole lot of fun. And so there's a, and you know, and and those are my, uh, a lot of my good friends that, that throw those events. So I I go to those sometimes and, 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 uh, but, but yeah, I I don't play uh, in Nashville uh, too much, but uh i've been kind of entertaining the idea of maybe trying to start another like monthly or, or something here but that's it's totally just just kind of a little idea that's rattling around in my head at this point there's it doesn't have any legs yet so during the pandemic i saw you did a lot of lives oh yeah it saved my ass so like what was the what was the inspiration behind that? Like you just need to get your shit out there or is it to like not go crazy or, or what was it? All that. Yeah. Like, uh, well, and, and, um, I I was out of work. I mean, it was also financially motivated. Uh, I needed to make some money. Mm. Um, so basically what happened and, and a lot of, basically all the DJs kind of at first, went live on facebook we all started going live on facebook and facebook would cut your stream off they would interrupt they would literally cut your feed in the middle of your performance for copyright shit yeah and um then there was just a big exodus where all the djs went to twitch and and for for anybody that doesn't know twitch used to pretty much just be video game stuff Mm -hmm. uh you know like it's where people watch other people play video games that uh, was primarily what was on Twitch. And it's still probably, I'd still say it's, I, I don't know this, but it's, I'd still say that's the bulk of Twitch is, is the video game culture. Um, you know, Twitch is owned by Amazon. They have a lot of clout. For whatever reason, the, the crux of it is Facebook did not like DJs being live and Twitch did. So mm. Twitch kind of, all these DJs started making Twitch pages and started streaming on Twitch and Twitch welcomed us with open arms for, I don't know the reasoning behind either one, but uh, yeah, you know, I was out of work. Like, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, I make my money touring. I make my money playing shows and selling tickets. I don't, I don't make money from my music or from my mashups. I got to go hit, hit the bricks and go play shows. So when the pandemic hit and we were all stuck inside, it was all those things. I needed to make some money. I I wanted to perform. I was about to go fucking crazy. Everybody was sitting at home also about to go crazy there. Mm. I had no show to play. They had no show to go to. Um, <clears throat> so it was kind of win-win. I got some, it was, it was like human interaction, which yeah. was greatly needed at the time. Um, people that were stuck at home could, could turn on Twitch and hook it up to their stereo and, uh, you know, get some booze and, and party, <laughs> you know, we, you know, I have like on, on my Twitch, I have like a, like the shot cam where I can, I can bring up to like nine people on screen and we can all take a shot together. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. It, it's all, it, it's all, it's all, it was all the things like, and, um, 
And it really, it really, it, it, it saved me uh, financially too, because I, I, I needed to, to generate some income too. Um, so it was kind of a win-win across the board. I was able to uh, continue to, you know, make a living. Uh, I was able to, to perform and play music, have, you know, human interaction with other people. And uh, it was, and I, and I still, you know, I still do Twitch. I don't do it as much, but I, I still do it and I still like it. But when, when there weren't, physical shows happening was definitely the most sort of like special time for Twitch because that was our only option. Yeah. So it you- seems like uh Facebook is just antiquated, man. Like like even like the way they're like flag shit that you post or you not you personally, but like if you'll post yeah. something, you know, like on Instagram or Facebook, you know, like Twitter, they'll show fucking full on porn. You know, it's like the Wild Wild West. And yeah. it's like you said, uh, Twitch, which is Amazon, is letting DJs do what they're doing. It's just like, to, to me, it seems, I don't know if they're worried about, like, copyright or, like, being sued. But, like you were mentioning before, like, if people hear something, they're going to expose them to something else. Like, they might right. Well, you know those lyrics or whatever. The thing, the thing is, is the, when it, the, the. Who's ultimately complaining about DJs spending live or record labels? Because it, it, if you technically, you could look at that as illegal streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the record labels leaned on Facebook and, and the record labels probably lean on Twitch too. But for whatever reason, now I do know one thing about Facebook is what they, what Facebook wanted to do. Uh, kind of related to the pandemic and also what Facebook wanted to do was have virtual concerts mm. where a, a band would play and you would like pay an admission. So they wanted to monetize so like, you know, it. The, yes. And to do, and to monetize it, it has to be a hundred percent above the board and legal. Okay. So you can't, you def not only could I not, I couldn't DJ for free on Facebook because of technically illegal streaming. And I certainly couldn't charge a $20 cover. So they, they basically catered towards uh, bands, singer songwriters, uh, as opposed to catering towards DJs. So that was, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to do a thing where it was like a virtual show and you paid a cover to, to get access to the show and to, and to follow that business model, all the copyright stuff had to be, uh, you know, legal. Um, so yeah, so they kind of had an idea of how they wanted live streaming to go on their platform and it was very not DJ friendly. So yeah, most DJs don't even try to go on, on to go live on Facebook anymore. Pretty like 99%. It's, if you see a DJ stream and it's probably on Twitch. Mm. Well, you've seen the thing or like the memes or pictures of the guy that was watching UFC and streaming for free for everybody on Facebook. It made him look like he was sitting there playing the video game, like when he was streaming it. On oh, TV. yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, he got I mean, you know, this Facebook just sucks now, man. They want to charge for everything. They don't like they have, most of your stuff is hidden. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really what's. There was a there was a, a, a time around 2012 2013 where there's there's I used to I have a I have a, a lot of followers on SoundCloud and I have a lot of followers on Facebook and used to 
when I would post a new song on SoundCloud, all of my SoundCloud followers would see that. It would show up on their feed. And then I would post that SoundCloud link onto Facebook and all my Facebook followers would see that. Mm-hmm. And that slowly started chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And um, like to put it in perspective, like I think I have like 55,000 followers on Facebook. When I make a post now without boosting it or without adding money to it, it may be maybe 100, 200 people see it yeah. out of 55,000. Now, yeah. if I put like, if I, if I boost a post, if I pay like $50 to boost a post, maybe 3,000 people see it. And once again, that's 3,000 out of like 50,000. And, um, of your own organic followers. It's not like yes. and, and that and that's what really sucks because I totally I totally understand the concept of paying for advertising to get new fans, but if someone has clicked like on my Facebook page, that means they want to follow me and see what I'm doing. Yeah. But it, it's like but you can see that even on your personal page. You can have mm-hmm. five thousand Facebook friends, but your news feed's probably like five people every mm-hmm. day. Yeah, it, it, it's it just goes with whoever you interact with. So, yeah, used to on Facebook, you you had your friends and you and you had people you were friends with, and you had things you followed, and your news feed was all of that. Mm-hmm. It was you would see all your friends post. If you followed twenty different bands, you would see all twenty of those bands posting, and so like. And and the sound SoundClouds changed too. They wanted to make it more like a like Pandora. Mm-hmm. For instance, like if you go to like used to, if you went to my SoundCloud page, if you went to SoundCloud and went to Wicket, the instigator, and you hit play on one of my songs, when that song ended, it's it, it, it used to it would play you another one of my songs, and it would play. You could go to my SoundCloud and hit play, and you could sit there for hours and listen to all of it. But now, like if I send you a link to one of my songs on SoundCloud, when that song ends, it's going to jump you to some other artist that they, that they consider similar or whatever. So it's really, uh, you know, they're trying to, like I said, they're trying to make it like a Pandora kind of thing. And it, it's more, uh, you know, tailored for the listener and, and, and not tailored for the artist benefit. So yeah, there sounds- used to be, a, there used to be a time where SoundCloud worked, and Facebook worked mm-hmm. and everything was beautiful. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's actually something that, that I, that I think is a huge bummer because I have a lot of followers on Facebook. I have a lot of followers on SoundCloud and I'm, I have a hard time even, even getting reaching them. Yeah. I can't even, you know, they, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, it yeah, it kind of sucks, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the way they're doing it on uh SoundCloud benefits the smaller person possibly than you, because obviously if I'm going to Google you, because I know who you are or look for your name on SoundCloud and then it may piggyback off somebody that's a less known person. Yeah. Well, and then, and then with Facebook, Facebook now doesn't want you to leave Facebook. That's why I like, you see how people do like link in the comments. Have you seen how people, you know, yeah, people be yeah. like, Hey, yo, I released my new EP link in the comments. Well, that's, you didn't use time to do that. Mm. Um, but so now like, let's say if I, if I had a YouTube video 
that I wanted to share with people, if I actually let that embed on, you know, if I put that in the main post and let it embed and the thumbnail and everything pop up, um, it, it cuts way, 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 way down on the percentage of people that see it because Facebook doesn't want you to click on a YouTube link because they want you to stay on Facebook. Uh, Yeah. So that's why people started realizing all of a sudden, like no one like used to, I could, when I, when I would post like a SoundCloud link on Facebook, I would post it in the main post and actually let that post embed and everybody would see it. Mm -hmm. But then people had to be like, Hey, here's my new EP link in the comments. Because if they put the link in the main post, then it would, it would, it would cut down, you know, like 80% almost of who would see it. And it's still like that. Like if you, if you post any YouTube video, even on a personal page, if you went to like your personal Facebook page and posted a a link to YouTube and let it embed, I guarantee you like one of your friends will like, you'll get like one like. It's because no one is seeing it because Facebook doesn't want them to see it because Facebook doesn't want you to go to YouTube. They want you to stay on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a creator, how does that make you feel when you post content that you, it took you a long time to come up with the idea, then actually put it together and then to post it. And then it doesn't get the engagement that you know, it should be getting. It's extra frustrating because it's extra frustrating because at one point it was working. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's different. If you're, if you're a new person coming up and, and you've, it's like I had it. I, I had I have seventy thousand followers on SoundCloud and fifty thousand on Facebook, and and I can't get to them. I yeah. can't even pay. I can't even pay to get to them. Even if I, even if I pay fifty or a hundred bucks or something on one post, even that is still reaching a really small fraction. So it sucks, you know. Um, but it is what it is. You know, you have to, you have to post more I, I you know i think sort of the the I, I think the name of the game now is to be kind of like posting little bits all the time mm. that's kind of because that's kind of how tiktokers work and and it's not like i used to just you know i would make a, a couple posts a month you know i would post when i had a new song but i think the way to to kind of it's all kind of like figuring out how to sort of battle the algorithm and that's that's sort of the frustrating part because what I used to just focus on making music. That yeah. was what, that was my main focus. I made music and then I would post it, but now it's become like, what day is the best day to post? What time <laughs> is the best time to post? Should I put, should I say link in the comments? Should I let it embed? Should I post a picture? And there's also like another thing, thing on facebook it it won't let you boost a post if your album cover album artwork has too many words because it thinks it's like an advertisement or something Mm. so facebook has even altered the way that us artists like even our album work i have to be like no don't put any words on it it can't (laughs) can't say wicked it can't say the name of the title yeah it just has to it, it just has to be a picture because if it's just a if your album artwork is just a picture without words and you pay your fifty or hundred dollars to boost the post, more people will see it. So but even if you but if it ha, but if it has too many words on it, then people will see it. So a lot of my job now is literally just battling algorithms, and it is kind of frustrating. But it is what it is. So are you but big on I, are you big on TikTok? 
No, I just started. Actually, I, I literally maybe a month ago, a month or two ago, just started on TikTok. So, and that and the and that culture is like like TikTokers that have a big following. It's daily. Yeah, you, you see them. They put out stuff every day. So, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to embrace that uh, a, a little bit. Uh, put out shorter things, things that are kind of fun. Like for instance, like the thing, you know, like that lollipop thing mm-hmm. you played me. Like it's dope, but it's also kind of makes you laugh. It's also kind of funny too. Yeah. So uh, there's there's, you know. Yeah, because like when you see the video, the guy's even like uh, he does a little skit in between, like yeah. Uh, so it's like all visual and audio that you're playing along with it. Yeah, you know, so a, a lot of, you know, I, I I just started on TikTok, but I'm trying to insert humor uh, in it, too, because I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are going on their Facebook or their TikTok or whatever to, like, have a laugh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To, like, you know, and I, I love memes and, uh, you know, I, I get it. There's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that. So, I, you know, um I think, you know, I used to, used to, it could just, the music could do the talking, but I think nowadays it's like, I have to, you gotta be a media company now. I have to be me. Like I have to, like, it's not just my music. It's like, I, I need, you know, the, me driving and talking and making a sandwich. You're like, I think people like, you know, really enjoy kind of seeing into your day-to-day life. So you know, I'm trying to embrace that. There's a while, and I need to start doing this again. There was a while I was putting out videos of me playing on the pads, but I was I was remixing like the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack and oh, reading awesome. uh, reading Rainbow and Charlie <laughs> Brown theme and 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 stuff to where like it was kind of like that lollipop. It was like it was it, you know cool, but also a little bit funny. You yeah. know what I mean? And like when I when I'm when I put out the video of me doing the live Ninja Turtles remix, so you know, like I wore a nin- little <laughs> Ninja Turtle mask, and so you know, and and I I love I, I I like to get a laugh. I love comedy too, so it's like you know it, but but yeah, um, you know, over the years, and I've had this conversation with so many other artists and, and management over the years, um being an artist or an entertainer or content creator, it's all kind of about battling these algorithms and, 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 and it, you know, it, it kind of sucks, but you know, it, we'll see where it heads. We'll see, you know, we don't, we don't know what the next Facebook is going to be. We don't know what the next big thing it's going to be. So there's no telling. So, yeah, you know, you can, you know, I can, you know, sit, sit here and just kind of, you know, boohoo about it. Or, you know, it's kind of like sink or swim, you know what I mean? So you gotta roll uh, with the punches, man. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do. And then sometimes, sometimes you gotta pivot and you know, it's, it, it happens in the music industry. It's kind of like when MP3s first came out and all the bands lost their fucking mind. Yeah. Cause they, they went from selling like a, you know, a million copies of a record to like 20,000 because everybody got it for free. Yeah. And so, bands you know every once in a while it, it, you know it's technology based so you know technology causes you know the entertainment industry to have to pivot and change and morph and you know it just it just is what it is you know so what will be your fuck mary kill for records cds or to like i guess mp3s as far as making music well um <laughs> 
I don't I don't know how to fuck Mary kill those things. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, CDs are pretty much obsolete, you know. So you would kill CDs. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd probably have to marry the records, you know. <laughs> Is that like your first love? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, uh, vinyl's even made a huge comeback. You know, mm-hmm. vinyl doesn't doesn't ever totally go away, you know. Uh, like, I mean, they sell records at Walmart now. Yeah. You know, and Walmart has a pretty good – I was – I was – it was – just the other day i was like i've been sitting here looking at records for like 20 minutes inside of a walmart you know it's like digging through their shit i'm like this is kind of weird and you know they sell the little turntables too the little cute little suitcase looking turntables so um you know but but mp3s are are great too you know because they uh i couldn't i i mp3s are necessary because if i want to have like a shit ton of music on my computer you know they got to be mp3s because i wouldn't have room for all that in like wave form or in a lossless form so yeah i guess we would you know kill cds and fuck mp3s (laughs) (laughs) so like when you're listening to a a record is that like the best sound like i've heard records are as far as like for an audio person they're, they're probably the best well Here's what I think. This is my take on it. Um, I'm not uh, necessarily an expert, but this is my take on it, on what sounds better. I think, so we, if you talk, if you, like, let's go back to the 70s when records were the main thing. Mm-hmm. People used, like when a band in the 70s went in the studio, they were going in the studio to make a record. Okay. So they would record that music onto it was all analog they would record their music onto reel to reel tape which is analog and they would master it they would mix and master it a certain way to optimize how it sounded on a record okay so led zeppelin a led zeppelin record is gonna sound a led zeppelin actually record on a good stereo is gonna sound way better in my opinion than like a led zeppelin cd Mm -hmm. because the cd and now it's become digital when it never was like so when records i think records that were made in the era of vinyl sound better on vinyl because they were mixed they were made for vinyl okay so they might you know crank the treble up or you know because they they might know how the you know the record was going to color the sound or alter the sound so they would they would mix it and master it in a way to where it would sound good on record so yeah miles davis led zeppelin black sabbath that kind of shit you want on vinyl now if you're talking about like Skrillex or something, there's really no reason, in my opinion, to have a Skrillex vinyl other than it being like a collectible album. Okay. Because that was recorded digitally, it's released digital. And like, you know, most bands nowadays record digital. So even like a rock band, uh, I can't think of a like Foo Fighters. Like if, if, if I got the Foo Fighters new album on vinyl, it probably sounded okay, but that's probably a digital product that they pressed onto vinyl just for people that just like vinyl. Mm. So 
music look, if, if when a band or a singer or whatever goes into a studio now the goal is not to make a vinyl record and it used to be so used to your goal was to make a vinyl record so all the processing and all the steps leading up to it were optimized specifically for vinyl so 60s 70s whenever records were the main thing the 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 music made during that era probably sounds better on vinyl because it was made for vinyl but if but today if it's made digitally it's not going to necessarily sound better on vinyl i I, but you know but i still buy new records sometimes just for just because i like as a collectible but but yeah like if you've you know if you're going to listen to like the who or, or something, you know, or Rolling Stones, like that's when you want to bust out like the vinyl because those that's what they made them for. Mm. And they sound the best. Like there's nothing quite like, like the first Led Zeppelin album on, on vinyl on some big speakers. It sounds fucking amazing uh, because that was the intention, but it, it's, and it's also all analog. Like I said, they recorded it on the tape, which tape is analog. And then that they dumped that tape onto vinyl so the whole process is analog but if you record something digitally yeah you can take that digital audio and press it on vinyl if you want to uh but it's not quite the same would you ever do something like on youtube or you know tiktok i guess since you're doing tiktok gonna start tiktok now where you teach like a newbie person like how to create a song or how to dj Absolutely. Um, Hello, here I am. I'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I, I teach Zoom lessons sometimes. That was actually um, something I, I started doing uh, in the uh, when the pandemic happened too, um, because you know I was trying to I was trying to figure out every any way I could generate income from home. So mm-hmm. it was like you know live streaming, teaching lessons, offering like mixing and mastering services, anything I could do for my house. So, uh, yeah, um, um, I actually have a friend that lives in, in Barcelona in Spain and he wants me to, to teach him. He wants me to teach him how to DJ like in person. So, uh, it looks like in September, me and my girlfriend are like going to get to a vacation to go to Barcelona and hang out and go swimming. And I'm going to teach my buddy how to DJ and this pretty, pretty sweet deal. I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's a beautiful place, man. I think you'll love it there. I've never left the continent. So I'm, I've been to Canada. Well, I've been to Hawaii and Canada, but I've never really left, you know, the Americas. So I'm pretty excited. Would you go to, uh, I guess, what do they say? Abita, since you're going to be in Spain. Cause I know that's like big for like DJ and like, uh, what was it? There was a place called space they have there. Cause when I went to Barcelona, it was during the winter close, close to fall, well, not fall. I'm sorry. Springtime. So it was like too cold for that to go there, but that might be another place you might want to think about while you're over I, there. I need to look into it. I, I'm, I am wildly <laughs> uncultured. I don't know. So like um, a that's a good first place to go, man. Like a <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know much. I don't know much about uh, Barcelona. Like you know, I'm, I've, like yeah. I said, I've never been out of the Americas. Like I've been told it was beautiful. Yeah, the beaches I, are I've beautiful. I've also been there. told like 
don't i've also been told like don't confuse spanish culture for mexican culture i've been told they don't like that like don't go and uh, ask them for like tortillas and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no but yeah. um so what, you'll, you'll notice when you're, when you're there uh when you're eating lunch they'll just stop serving you because they go eat lunch and they're like go fuck you <laughs> yeah but like yeah. what tony was talking about uh, how do you say it, the right way to say it, tony uh, apparently it's called ibiza but, but we every, say abiza yeah we say abiza right, here right yeah they the, with the with the TA. Yeah, yeah, so like it's yeah. like where all the DJs from all around the world they'll perform like a couple sets. Like Tiesto might go there and play a set for an, for like that, and then to get paid fat and go you know hang out party. Now, and then, is that in in Barcelona? Or is no, that no, city? it's another part of Spain. But like so when, a, you can pop over, like you can get flights yeah. cheap all yeah. over Europe. You know, so yeah, I, I somebody told me something. I, it, that kind of blew my mind. I have a friend that's from Spain and she said that like Spain could like fit inside of Texas. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, that kind of, that, I, I thought it was just this huge. Yeah. Me too. Huge, until he told you know, me it wasn't. Um, and, and now she was like, no, you could, Spain would fit inside of Texas. And that kind of blew my mind because I, like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not super geographically educated. So I'm, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm about to find out. You know, I'm about to. Man, that'd be so awesome if you get if you get like somehow hooked up with getting a show booked while you're there. Like that's like some well, big festival do, or something. Well, just even in Barcelona, that. that'd be yeah. Cool. That'd be dude. Either we're, yeah, we're trying to do that as well. You know, and that's you know, um, e- e- even if I just want to go somewhere like recreationally or va- or like for vacation, I. I try to book a show or two to kind of like fund the trip, you know. Yeah. Oh, smart. So, how did your name come about? Um. So when I when I first started scratching, I I used to uh, I used to jam with this band because they, uh, I, you know, it was kind of like a jam band. Uh, this was even before I even actually started DJing because, like I said earlier. At first, all I cared about was scratching. I wasn't mixing. I wasn't DJing. I wasn't doing parties. I mean, it could just, I could just show up with like one turntable. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, like there was an inside joke with this band I used to play with. And they would, they'd be like, oh, you know, like he, uh, you know, Steve plays the drums and, and Bobby plays guitar and they'd be like, and Andrew goes wiki. That's what they used to. They He does the wiki wicks. Yeah. Um, and so the first thing I first, the first thing that popped in my mind was wiki, which to me kind of, that kind of sounds like Elmer Fudd trying to say Ricky. <laughs> All yeah. I, you know, it sounded like yeah. a speech of like wiki. It sounded weird. Yeah. So, I didn't know this, but Wicket is a is an Ewok and uh from Star Wars. And I I was out one day buying records looking for samples and um I bought a, I just happened to buy this Star Wars record and I kind of put the needle in a random spot just like in the middle of the record and I dropped the needle down. Uh, and the first thing I heard was his name is Wicket. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, oh shit. And then I was like, there it is. It's like, it's the wiki and wiki, wiki, wiki was sort of of already there in my head from like the little inside joke with the band. So 
I was like, oh, wicket. And then I was like, it's like a, um, you know, it's like a verb and a noun, like mm-hmm. to wick it, you know? And it sounds like, you know, the word wicked. Like so somebody from like Boston a, would say or something. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. And then, um, so for a while, it was just, for a while, it was just DJ Wicket. And um, there was a, there was also a DJ Wicked, like W-I-C-K. K-E-D, like the regular word. So um, when I found out there was another DJ Wicked and I was DJ Wicked, I decided to, I wanted to alter my name a little bit to make sure my name was completely original and unique. And Mm -hmm. I always liked, you know, there was a J. Rue, the damager and Dell, the funky homo sapien. And I always thought those names were cool. So I was like, you know, I want to be wicked the something. And at the time I was doing like DJ battles. I was, uh, I was into competing really heavily. So I also kind of wanted my name to sound like a little intimidating. So I went with like wicked, the instigator, because at the time I was like, I wanted when somebody was like, who do I have to battle now? And they said, wicked, the instigator. I want them to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Who's, yeah. yeah, I was, I wanted to, I wanted to be like, you know, oh, that sounds, that sounds like threatening. You know, because I was, I wanted to be like a cool battle name, but yeah. So that's how it became Wicket, the instigator. Started with Wicket, and then I wanted to make sure it was totally unique, so I added the instigator. What was your uh, inspiration behind your logo? Um, one of the uh, in two thousand five, I made an album called Citizens Band Radio, and um, uh, my buddy Ben made the album cover for me. And so it was, uh, it was basically like this regular looking dude in a hat and he was standing there and there was like a suburban scene behind him and there was a radio tower and the radio tower was like emitting something. And he, like, he put the swirl in the sky. So it was just like a regular looking dude standing there with building houses behind him. And there was a radio tower and the sky and this artwork had like the red and white kind of like peppermint swirl thing. Mm-hmm. So then I was, so then I had the idea. I was like, what if the dude, what if instead of wearing a baseball cap, I was like, what if this dude was wearing like goggles and had an antenna and there was swirls on the eyes, meaning that like he was kind of picking up whatever that rate, whatever swirly shit. Yeah. The radio tower was picking up. So so then he sent it back and then, um, you know, it was the, it was the dude standing there and the face looked totally different and had the goggles and the antenna, uh, with the swirly eyes. And then that was the cover of that album. Um, and then I just continued to use that face, yeah. uh, you know, because then, you know, things became more internet-y and I started, you know, uploading stuff to MySpace, and you know there would be where you upload your profile pic or your logo or whatever so i just started using that for everything it's so funny man like when you have an idea and then somebody you can tell somebody else kind of like what you were talking about though it's like your telepath where like you know the radio hasn't that comes down to him so it's like you had the idea you tell your friend that's the graphic designer or whatever and then y'all mesh together and it becomes a real life thing yeah Absolutely. Because like yeah. anytime like I've done like like our logo we have here or like any other kind of logo that I've done for like when we had a barbecue fest team and I would tell somebody and then actually see them put it to like reality is like cool as shit, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh 
What did you think about the Zac Efron movie when he was a DJ? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you know, that was, you know, that was just sort of indicative about of, of like how big uh, DJ and God. I don't think I don't know if I I don't know if I actually watched that. Movie. <laughs> I just remember seeing the trailer and he's talking about beats per minute. Well, no, like remember, that. like, so the scene, I think you sent me a clip of it, Tony, and it was like in the scene. He's DJing a pool party, and then, like, all of a sudden, it's like he's looking around like this, right? And yeah. next thing you know, he's, like, locking in with the crowd, and he's like, now, step one, you try, you get yeah, everyone's I mean, beat. That was, you know, step that's, two. Like, that was, you know, that movie is obviously, you know, it was a, a sign of, like, how incredibly big DJ had, had become. Like, I remember, I mean, it was probably just, like, 2011 or 2012 was the first time you saw like DJs like headlining festivals. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember one year, like uh, they had like, you know, the, the, the two headliners, the Sun Big Festival were like, you know, Bob Weir and the Grateful Dead and Pretty Lights. And everybody went fucking nuts. They're like, how, you know, how, how's a DJ going to headline a festival? That's, you know, and just comment after comment of just outrage and then 20 minutes later, that was completely the norm. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Then the next fest was pre-lights, bass nectar, Skrillex. Like it became it became normal for DJs to be to do these huge arena shit. Like it almost overnight. Like yeah. you have, you know. And so yeah, you know, that that Zach Efron movie was inevitable. Mm. You know, it was because that, you know, there was a, a market, you know, what's hot right now? Oh, like EDM. And so we'll get a good looking dude make an EDM movie. Like, of course that was the move. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I ever saw it, but also like, I don't let shit like that bug me. Either. Like, I, mean, I, I had a lot of friends. I, I had a, you know, obviously had a lot of friends where they were like really annoyed. Yeah. You know, you know, so, you know, the, uh, I can't, I'm, honestly, I'm like not even trying to be funny. I'm not sure if I watched it or not. I, I think I, I think I get it. Yeah. I think it's one of those where, you know, I think I get it, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, I tell people all the time that like 15 years ago, DJ, I I used to feel more like a magician, you know, because people didn't, it wasn't the norm. Like Mm. back in, back in like 2006 or something, if I'd scratched or something, people would stand there and just be like, what in the fuck is that? (laughs) What are you doing? How are you doing that? And it, it did. It almost it felt like you were a magician. It was very DJ needs to be even when I bought turntables, I didn't I didn't know what a DJ did. Mm. I didn't I bought turn I just kind of dove in. I you know, and um but yeah, you know, like and and you can obviously people if somebody is good at scratching or stuff, that's still impressive and still fun to watch, but it's not as everybody's seen it now you know there's not too many people that have never seen a dj scratch before you know but back in the day there was like you know when i first started playing shows most of the audience in those shows consisted of people that had never seen anything like that in their life Mm -hmm. and that was a lot of fun that was a very fun period you know but now you know DJs are just, they're completely a part of mainstream culture. And that's good. There's pros to that as well, you know. Uh, But yeah, it it was fun back in the day because 
a lot of times I was, most of the people in the room had never seen that. They had never seen a DJ. They had never seen anybody scratch. They had never seen a, a mashup before they, or a remix on the fly or whatever. So it was fun. You know, that period was fun. Cause like I said, it felt more like a, a magician than a musician, you know? Yeah. Cause it seems like, uh, at least from my perspective, like maybe like in the early parts of hip hop, the DJ was the main guy. Yeah, that's how it was at first. Um, like, like uh, at first, DJ the, the, Jazzy Jeff, and then and the Fresh Prince. You know, like Will right, Smith right. was like the the back person. And even a little, and even a, even a little bit before that, it was like that too. Yeah, the um, the first like MCs were yeah the DJ was the dude, and the MC was like the the hype man, yeah, kind of like the host. And a lot of the, and a lot of the first raps they're rapping about the DJ. They're like, he's the grand master and he's mm. doing it like this and doing yeah. it like that. And, you know, the, the raps are actually about uh, the DJ, but yeah, it wasn't uh, you know, it was, it was throw your hands up in the air, make some noise. Everybody scream, everybody say, ho. it was, that was, <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, literally like, you know, the term MC existed, you know, that used to be like, you'd go to a banquet, you'd go to a charity banquet for cancer and they would have an MC in the mm-hmm. evening, the person that would talk and, you know, um, but yeah, you know, but then rap obviously evolved too. And so much to when, like when I was a, when I was a kid listening to rap, I didn't, I didn't think about the DJ. Like I used to listen to NWA and I wanted to be like easy E and ice cube. Yeah. And the very, you listen to a five minute song and the very, very end of the song, I might go cooker, cooker, Compton. I was like, I want to be the guy that gets two seconds to scratch the word Compton. At the yeah. very end of the song. You know, it's like you I idolized rappers growing up. And, I, and um, like I was saying earlier, that's, when I saw scratching outside of rap and outside of hip hop, it caught my attention more. Like when I saw like, you know, I don't know, like Medeski Martin and Wood, they're kind of like a funk jazz band. And uh, there's a guy named DJ logic and he was ah, 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 like scratching with them and like doing the little shuffle rhythms they were doing and stuff. And uh, you know, I would, I heard scratching in like sublime and then with Beck and other groups. And like, when I, when I heard scratching outside of, of, of hip hop, it caught my attention more because at the time there wasn't really a lot of hip hop at that time. Wasn't DJ heavy at all. It was just beats and rhymes, you know, and nobody, yeah, you know, it was, there was, you know, salt and pepper and like nobody, nobody wanted to be Spinderella, you know? Yeah. Uh, But, but yeah. And then, um, the that that uh documentary scratch basically what i did is i bought turntables on a whim uh i messed around with them a little bit and it didn't really stick and they ended up um in my garage on the floor after a couple months uh and that was about it that was and uh, and then i happened to see the the documentary scratch and uh i had never been exposed to any of that and a lot of it was like California, like Bay Area, like DJ Kubert, DJ Shadow, Mixmaster Mike, Z Trip. And then not only not only did it expose me to a lot of DJs, it also exposed me to a pocket of hip hop, uh of kind of like that true school hip hop, like Jurassic Five and Dilated Peoples 
you know, and, and so there was a, not, not only did the, the documentary scratch expose me to a lot of DJs I'd never heard before, it exposed me to a lot of uh, like rappers I'd never heard before either. So, I mean, literally as the credits were rolling on the documentary, I was already out in the garage and like, I'm setting these back up. And that, that was really the, the big jump off point was that documentary is what ultimately did it. Cause I'd already kind of bought them and become bored with them. And then I watched that. And then that I was, it was over. I was hooked. I wanted to, I wanted to learn how to scratch like those guys in the documentary. Man, I, I quote this thing all the time, but there's this Tupac quote and he talks about, I might not change the world, but I guarantee I'll spark the brain of the person that will change the world. And just say you didn't see that fucking documentary. When we were having this conversation right now, we would never have the, uh, walk the line fucking song and everything else yeah. you did for people. So yeah. it's just like, man, it's so awesome that you saw that, that somebody else put that documentary out. These people made this music and it sparks your brain to go pick those fucking things up. And then here we are today. Yeah, there was, man, there was one time somebody said something to me that, 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 that I was taken aback by. And this is, I, I, I this is after I've been touring pretty heavily for about five or six years. And I was playing, uh, playing, I don't remember where I was playing, but this young dude came up to me and he was like, man, he's like me and my friends love your music. They're like, we listen to, he's like, we listen to you all through high school. And that was like such a huge compliment to me because like what you listen to in high school is like sacred to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for me, when I think of high school, I think like Nirvana and Nine Inch Nails and like, you know, and um, the for some reason, the concept of somebody telling me that like I was the thing they listened to all through high school really freaked me out. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, and, you know, and I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense because I was like, you know, high school is four years. <laughs> I've been touring for like five or six. So I was like, I guess that is possible. And that, that freaked me out. Cause like I, you know, to me, you know, for me personally, like the music I listened to as a kid and like and through high school and stuff is very, is a very special place in my heart for that. So I was like, Oh man, am I like that to somebody else? Like that was just it was really cool. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was really neat to hear that, but I never, that never occurred to me that that was even a possibility that some, that, you know, it, it was just the wording. It really threw me off. Like, oh, we listened to you all through high school. It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it hit, it hit different, you know, but, uh, but yeah. And, um, and, and, and as far as like what's crazy about inspiration, there's some, there was some, uh, the experience of me watching that documentary, there was sort of this meta thing about it because in the documentary Scratch, every every when you had all the DJs in Scratch when, when they when they were being interviewed and the, you know the question what when was the first time you heard Scratch and what got you into it, their answer it was the song called Rocket. Um, uh, my mind's going blank right now. I'm trying to th- Herbie Hancock. So Herbie Hancock had this song called Rocket. It's kind of like, you know, bum, bum, bum. it sounds like 80s. You know, it sounds mm-hmm. like Beverly Hills Cop. Um, <laughs> but there was a, a video of it. And that was one of the first times pe- a lot of people saw scratching because there was a guy, dude, with the turntable. And he was going frick, frick, fresh, frick, frick, fresh. And um, 
So all these people in the documentary, their jump off point was seeing Rocket. And it was like they, you know, every DJ was, oh, Rocket. I saw Rocket. I saw the Frick Frick Fresh. And like the Scratch documentary was kind of like my Rocket. You know Mm. what I mean? Um, So the way they were describing how they felt when they first saw somebody go Frick Frick Fresh. And they're like, what is that? How do you do that? I want to do that for the rest of my life. That was how that that was how the documentary made me feel, you know. So it's, you know, it. it I saw a similarity there, and it was sort of like a meta thing because this documentary is talking about sort of the starting point. This that that one song was everybody's kind of starting point, and then that documentary was kind of my starting point. Yeah, you know? dude, that's fucking awesome, man. What up? So tell us about your time on the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> that was, a, yeah, that was totally random. Um, totally, totally random. Um, I've, there was a guy that I knew uh, named Jake and I didn't really, I didn't really know him in real life. I like, you know, you like Facebook know somebody. Yeah. So like, I kind of like Facebook knew this guy. I didn't know him super well. He was a DJ um for whatever reason him and his girlfriend got invited to be on the jerry springer show and they told jake to what they wanted to do was find another couple where the dude is also a dj and we're going to do some kind of like dj beef love triangle (laughs) shit was going to be the story um so uh, I asked my girlfriend at the time if she wanted to do it. And she was like, hell yeah, I want to do it. And uh, so it, it was all locked in. And uh, so we were all set to go. It was going to happen in about two weeks. Um, they started they started kind of digging around on me and checking out my stuff. And they actually saw that they, they saw like scratch routines and stuff I was doing. So after I'd already agreed to be on the show and do the DJ beef, uh, they asked me if I would put together like a two minute long uh scratch jerry springer themed scratch routine and uh i said sure and uh they said we'll put it together uh and send and send it to us and if it gets approved you can actually perform that scratch routine on the show so that added a whole another layer of excitement because at first it was like hey you're going to be on the jerry springer show but then i put together like this uh scratch routine and it's still on youtube it's easy to find but um i sent in a i sent in a, a video of me doing the scratch routine and they approved it and they said okay be sure and bring your equipment with you because you're going to do this scratch routine on, on the show so at that point like you know that quadrupled my excitement yeah now it's like not and not only am i going to get to just go ride the jerry roller coaster i'm actually going to get to like perform and dj and scratch on the show um, for some reason that you the original couple who invited me on there couldn't go. I can't, re- I don't remember why all of a sudden he was like, yeah, we can't go. So now it's just me and my girlfriend and my scratch routine. And it's like last minute, like the, the, we, we were supposed to fly out in like two days. And, um, if it hadn't been for the scratch routine, I probably just would have said, screw it but I was kind of emotionally invested at this point because now it wasn't, now it wasn't, Hey, I want to be on Jerry Springer. It's like, Hey, I want to like, 
I want to go do my DJ routine on Jerry Springer. And like that, that would actually be cool. So they told us to just ask, find another like girl that we're friends with that might want to come with us. And we'll just slap together a love triangle at the last minute. (laughs) That's what we, I might be, I might be breaching a contract right now. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Totally very real and unscripted. Uh, but uh no yeah so yeah so me and my girlfriend at the time my friend Kayla we we flew to uh Stanford I think it's called it's like half an hour it's I think it's Connecticut but it's like half hour outside of New York City um and yeah so leading up like leading up into the to the show they would call you at home and they would want you to like go into a room by yourself and they would like role play with you Cause the thing about the Jerry Springer show is like they call it sprinkling in the spring, the Springer magic, but you know, there wasn't really a love triangle, but I was really a DJ. So it's like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have me come on there and say that I'm like a farmer from Oklahoma because I don't know about that. So, you know, they, they like to, uh, they like to take the truth and then kind of expound on that. So it's like, I was really a traveling DJ my girlfriend was actually my girlfriend. So it's like, it's a little easier to, to riff on those things. And, uh, you know, me and her kind of like set aside, like what was and wasn't off limits to joke about, you know, like, we're like, we're not going to joke about like our real problems. We're going to make up some funny shit to joke about. And, um, you know, like she called me, she called me lamer bass nectar. That was like one of the, <laughs> one of, that was one of the jokes. That, you know. And it's really funny because like, you know, uh, you know, most people know that it's a, a gag and it's just for laughs. But I remember when I posted the video, like, you know, every once in a while, there'd be some really long comment that'd be like, bro, you need to like drop her and get your girl that <laughs> actually supports your dreams and doesn't insult you. And I'm, it's just kind of like, really, dude? So really? Jerry Springer is pretty much like WWE. So here's something I learned about. Well, it, here's where it gets kind of interesting is that there's two back, there's two different backstage areas of Springer and there's two different groups of people. Um, there's I was in the group of people that were just like there to ride the Jerry roller coaster. And there were other like groups of friends. They were actually, they were friends. They'd go out on stage and fight with each other. And then they come backstage and everybody be giggling and laughing. (laughs) But people do actually do real things on Jerry Springer. Like some people like really come out of the closet on Jerry Springer. Uh, Or, 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 you know, um, or, you know, or come out as like transgender. Some people actually reveal pregnancies. Mm. Um, They keep those people separate. Like, so if there's actually kind of maybe some real shit about to go down, that that's a whole they kind of keep both of those groups of people separate. I got you. There's the, there's the people that are, we're just here to, to have fun, but yeah, sometimes people contact the show and uh, you know, they'd be like, you know, I want to tell my parents I'm gay and I want to do it on Jerry Springer and, and, and it's real. Yeah. Okay. So, huh. and, and, and sometimes people really do uh, take somebody on Jerry Springer to like tell them they're pregnant or something or to, or to tell like some, so it's weird. It's both. Mm. And uh, because you do, 
you know, I was talking to one of the, the, the staffers and it's like, and I was talking about that and I was like, yeah, like, I'm like, can you not get, like, you can pull somebody on there and like have some, you know, a pregnancy or something revealed. And what you do is you have to, in those situations, they'll sign a thing that says, are you willing to learn? Uh, are, are you willing to learn a surprise fact on this show? And then you sign that mm. and then you can't like sue him for whatever. Cause it's like, no, you know, the, the, the pregnancy or whatever, that was the surprise fact, you know? So they, they, they have all their, like, you know, they, they have all their T's crossed and their I's dotted, but, but yeah, so they, and then they keep all those people separate because we were with a group of people and everybody was just having a good time and it was all just for laughs, yeah. but there are, there are, and they keep the whole episode separate too, actually. But, but no, sometimes people contact uh, that show to like reveal something that's actually true. So they, they, they kind of, they're kind of juggling two different protocols at the same time. It'd probably be a safer space too if you're going to do something like that. Even though it is public, you're less likely as somebody yeah. to kill you or if you tell them something sure, like yeah, that. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. What's in there? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We got plenty of witnesses. Because I remember, like, Jenny Jones had a thing where yeah. a guy, I think he came out, like, as trans to somebody that he had sex with. And then they ended up killing that guy later on. Oh, man, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. some people can't take news, you know. But well, then, too, you're going yeah, to blast somebody. Work, yeah, and that's why they work that language into the contracts. So yeah. you, can't, you can't sue... You can't find out something there that shatters you and then sue the show because you signed a thing that said you were willing to be surprised. Yeah. Um, but the one of the weirdest experiences about that is that you don't meet Jerry. Oh, do you what? not? No, I was about to ask uh, you that. Do you have like a picture? Is he with like you? CGI'd into the fucking TV? <laughs> Man, he 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 I think he lives in Chicago. Like he just yeah, okay. That's another in. thing. I thought the show was filmed in Chicago. I was duped about that too. Uh, the we went to to it was New York City. Goddamn Jerry Springer, man. Um, and the crowd was like old women. I didn't know who. <laughs> well, it was really funny is that we had all these like EDM jokes ready to go, and like, yeah. they they weren't really. La- but I I was I was making it for the repost. Mm, okay, I wanted. I was excited about like posting it on my Wicked the Instigator pages, so I wanted like the lamer bass nectar jokes in there and <laughs> yeah. sounds like spill out like, and they 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 added in. I, I can watch the episode and they like add in laughter, and I can remember like hearing. <laughs> I can remember like hearing the laugh track and remembering that it was actually very silent at that moment. Oh, uh, okay, wow, bunch of old ladies. They don't, and I didn't know that they show their boobs for beads. I saw a lot of old ladies. <laughs> uh, I mean, not on camera, obviously. Yeah, yeah. They, they do it like in between filming. Oh god, like, uh, um, it's the Wild West, man. Yeah, like a, what, what about like Mardi Gras style? They come out with the beads and like in these old women, man, whip them out. And I was just like, I was nobody warned me for that. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, oh, okay, all right, That's cool, wild shit, right there. Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering. Fun. No, go ahead. But like the the episode I found, I was the very I went up there. The thing I was gonna, I went out there by myself to sit in a chair and talk to Jerry before I. I it was a solo interview followed by scratch routine, followed by bringing the girls out, and I was the very first thing of the day. I was the very first person to go on stage. 
And yeah. And so that was sort of like this a weird dreamlike moment because they kind of like, all right, we're live. And they push you out there. And I walk out on stage and I see the people and I look up and there's Jerry Springer. And he's like, so Andrew, and it's go time. <laughs> so there's absolutely no time to like acclimate whatever to like to to it wasn't like i went out there and saw him and they even did like a 10 9 8 countdown yeah. i mean it was they went live people applauded and then you're on and i walked out there and he's like so andrew you're a touring dj and it's just like holy shit wow so fast so yeah i i didn't meet or talk to him you know it just they just they pushed me out and and like i said i was they film in the morning. It was early. I was tired. And there I was literally the first I didn't get to like see I didn't get to see like somebody else walk out on stage and 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 you know to kind of get warmed up mentally. I was literally like the very first person on the stage that morning. I have to go look for this clip now. Yeah, they they take down the episode a lot. The episode is um like if you go to YouTube and search Wicket Jerry Springer, you'll probably find the scratch performance immediately. That okay. stays. Uh, they take they people upload the episodes. They really, really, really keep their episodes off the internet. I'm I'm sure they have a reason. Mm. Maybe because of what you said, it causes drama and shit. But <laughs> um, but yeah, the episode is called Love Punked. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure why exactly, but a. a, a occasionally like somebody will message me and be like, yo, your shit's back on YouTube again. (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch it. And and then, and then what, and then it'll get taken down from that channel or whatever. So they're really uh, strict on, on their stuff being on the internet, but the little scratch performance has always stayed up. They, they were fine with that, I guess. Yeah, I'll definitely to try to scour the internet. Trying to, I think the scratch performance might even be on like there on the official channel. Okay. but even if it's not, they it's always it's always been up. But the the full episode gets uploaded and deleted all the time. So it's just sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. So uh, as far as like producing music, how do you do that? Uh, I pay somebody else to do it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I I have a home studio, and um, you know I. It's a combination of, uh, you know, I have I have a record, play, I sample records, I, I chop and flip samples, uh, I have keyboards, uh, you know, it, a lot of times it's all completely original uh, composition. I, I produce in, inside of Ableton is the, the software I use. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically like with a like a MIDI keyboard, it's like you can you can set any instrument, you know, I can load up a violin or a, a bass guitar or, or, you know, any, anything and, and, you know, play it. So um, the process is all over the place. Sometimes I'll start with drums. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, and then with like drums, like you, you take a separate kick, you pick out a separate snare drum, you pick out a separate hi-hat and cymbals and put it all together. And sometimes I'll make a beat. And then I'll get get a nice little beat down, and then kind of start uh, experimenting with what I want to add to it. Uh, sometimes I'll start playing the keys. I might start playing the piano or an organ or something, and I might come up uh, with a lick. And so sometimes I might start with that, and then add you know the drums later. And sometimes I hear a, a 
you know, a sample. Like I, I still dig for samples, listen to old jazz funk solo records. And sometimes I hear like a little, you know, get here's something I want to sample or sometimes I hear a song that I want to make a mashup out of too. Cause you know, like not everything I do is mashups, you know, some, you know, the, I guess the difference between like for me, a remix and a mashup, like for instance, like walk the line is a remix. Cause it's not, it's not like mashed up with another thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, a remix. Uh, I took walk the line and then turned it into like a kind of like a hip hop bass music trap kind of song, you know? So but like you know mashup obviously is like you know i might take uh you know i, I did the, the black keys with with big boy or i've done the beatles with the beastie boys so the the process is all over the place i i i don't i don't start you know sometimes i'm sometimes i just like to make beats uh sometimes i like to make dubstep tracks sometimes i like to make mashups so i'm pretty i'm kind of all over the place and there's not so there's not like one specific process that I go through every time. Man, please put this stuff on YouTube so people can see how you do this shit, man. Like that is so fucking cool to me. Like I appreciate music so much is because it can bring so many emotions to people and make people like how you guys can control the crowd, you know, and just you can brighten somebody's day or, you know, make somebody sad if they need to be sad or happy. You know, it's just what yeah. y'all do is it's a true gift and a true art. Thank you. I, I thank you. I, yeah, I love music, man. Like it really is uh it really it's it's a magical thing. Like, you know, I couldn't possibly imagine a world without it, you know. It's uh it's uh it's it means everything to me. Uh, you know, so it's it, it it's really cool. Like I I've, I've got to meet artists that, you know, I really look up to and there's that, de- you know, there's definitely people I've met and fanboyed out to and and then so when somebody comes up to me and is like, Hey, you know, wicked, like I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I I know how they feel. Cause you know, I feel that way about other people, you know? So yeah, it's, awesome. it, it's, it's cool. It's cool to get to be that for somebody. Cause I know, you know, and it's weird too, because like, I'm, you know, I know how it is. I've, I've met artists that I really look up to and I'm nervous and I don't know what to say. And, and uh, and then so when if somebody is that way towards me, like I I, I totally get it, you know. And uh, so it, it's cool, you know. It's it's it, it's cool to get to to be that to somebody else because I know how they feel. It's it's if somebody makes music that means something to you, it's cool to be able to like meet that person and shake their hand and you know tell them thanks. It's it's a cool experience. So how does it feel like you mentioned Big Boy earlier? Like I'm assuming you were probably a fan of Outkast growing up. Oh, yeah. And for him to like like your shit that you did of his stuff, like how does that make you feel as a person? Oh well, it, I mean, beyond validated because one one like we were talking about earlier, it's like I don't you know I don't always have like permission to remix somebody's stuff, so mm-hmm. you know it's um you know so some you know some people you know some people criticize you know, remix cult- culture and mashup culture. And it's just like, you know, you're stealing or it's, it's unethical or whatever, but if the person that you're remixing like high fives you, then that's it. Then who's, who's the victim there? You know, everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, now with the, the big boy uh, thing is, I, is a, is a very unique situation. And um, not a lot of people know this, but what happened there was, 
um, this is when I still, I still had a day job. I, I was working in a warehouse. I made a single mashup of big boy and black keys, one song. And I, and I put it out on the internet and, um, big boy happened to hear it and he like retweeted it. And, uh, and I remember a friend of mine called me, I was at work and a friend of mine called me. He was like, yo, big boy is like tweeting your shit right now. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, can I quit this job? <laughs> um, but what happened is, um, they, his management actually asked me to make the whole big boy and black keys album. Um, and it was really weird. It was his uh, manager, uh, Nate Auerbach, and he messaged me uh, in on SoundCloud um, in, in my DMs on SoundCloud, which is really weird. And I didn't believe him at first. Mm. I didn't think I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. He's like, hey, I manage big boy. And I was like, why would you be messaging me on my sound? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I don't know. It seemed like low brow. Or I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, so I was very I mean, I was like, man, this might really be his manager. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, I, I, I want you to do a whole, uh, it was, this is the beginning of December. This is very, this is the beginning of December in 2010 and Nate Auerbach, big boys manager at the time. I don't think he still is, but at the time, um, was like, we want, we want you to make a whole big boy and black keys mashup album. And specifically, it was Big Boy's uh, The Son of Chico Dusty album and the Black Keys Brothers album. So they didn't just want any Big Boy with any Black Keys. They specifically, because those two albums were both like really hot in 2010, mm-hmm. the Black Keys Brothers album. So Nate was like, yeah, make the Brothers of Chico Dusty. Like he even kind of came up with the name. And, um, and I was like, all right. And I was like, he was, you know, like I said, this began in December, and they're like, "When do you want to put this out?" He's like, "We want to put it out before Christmas." Damn! I was like, I was like "Oh shit!" <laughs> uh, that, yeah. So uh, there was like about two weeks of my life where I would get up and work. You know, I'd be at work at eight. I worked from eight to five. I'd go work at eight in the morning. I'd get home at about five. I'd work on the album till about five in the morning. I would sleep for five seconds, go back to work and just repeat. I did that for like two weeks. Oh, but so the moment when I knew it was real, because I was like, like I said, I was talking to this guy and I'm not, I'm always, I'm suspicious. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit cynical. Uh, I was like, I don't really think this is big boys manager. I think this is somebody like fucking with me or whatever. And um, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'll send you all of the big boy acapella files tomorrow. And um, I said, do me a favor and make sure they're in wave format and not MP3. Because for all I knew, I was like, I don't even know if maybe those acapellas are already floating around. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, if he sends me lossless wave files of big boy's voice that is definitely his manager. And then the next morning I woke up and that's what was in my email was like actually like studio wave files, big boy. And that's when I was like, shit is real. So I knew making that album, I knew that it was going to get big boy support. So that was a very like magical moment. And I worked my ass off on it. And I, and I knew that that album was going to get some traction because they, they couldn't, um, they couldn't officially 
uh, support it. Like basically, it was like I I had to post it, and like Big Boy would just kind of like retweet it because okay. it was the, the 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 X factor and all that was we did not know how the Black Keys uh, were going to react. Mm. So it was actually Christmas Eve. Uh, Spin Magazine posted an article about the album, and the Black Keys reposted uh, that spin article and that was the moment when we knew it was like a success as far as nobody's upset that this exists yeah um and i actually ended up the black keys manager lives here in nashville and uh and he actually took me out to lunch and he told me that like the label called him and was like have you seen this thing and and they were like, what should we do? And then he said, he goes, you should leave it. He's like, you should let it exist. He kind of took, you know, the, he was kind of like, I, I saved your ass, but, and he might very well may have. Um, but yeah, so I got to like go have lunch and, and talk to the Black Keys manager. So yeah, so, you know, long story short, making that album, I knew like Big Boy and his camp was, was, was cool with it. But yeah. we had absolutely, then they knew it was being made and was going to be released. But the Black Keys had absolutely no idea uh, of it until it was out, and uh, they liked it, and they they reposted, it and they're like, "It's pretty cool." And then that was it, and then it got to live, and nobody there was no cease and desist or <laughs> no deleting it or anything. So, dude, yeah. man, like I said earlier when we were talking about you put your fucking shit in the garage <laughs> to this fucking yeah. moment right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and and if that it was that documentary, so it, it is. It is crazy how how things can be, you know, so influential. And I've, um, you know, I, I've had people tell me before they're like, "Yeah, I got into producing music because of you." And like, yeah. that's some of the biggest compliment. You know, it's like, damn, that that's crazy. Because I, I, I feel. It, Having fans is weird because I still feel like a fan mm-hmm. of, of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I I still feel like I'm the 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 excited fan. So it's weird to have those because I'm like, oh shit! Like um, it's it's you know it's kind of completes the circle. But yeah, it's 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 neat. And yeah, and the fact that you know I inspired somebody to like start or give it a try. It's like extremely flattering because. I know that that's how I felt about the artists that inspired me. You know, it's cool that I could do that for somebody else. So do you plan on doing like any type of residencies anywhere or is you just like doing the touring? Um, I, if the right, the right thing came along, I would love to do a residency. He's not coming know. back from Barcelona. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, Oh man, this guy's awesome. And then somebody's going to hook you up with a deal. And now you live in Barcelona. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that would be that would be ideal. If I got stuck in Barcelona uh, on a residency, yeah, that would be a very very lot of fun. No, uh, um, I yeah, I'm I'm open. I would love to to do one. You know, and like I'm I mean, I even like I was saying, even kind of thinking about maybe starting something back up in Nashville at some point. I will definitely come up there, man. You got to come here, man. You got to come back. You got to we got to figure out a venue you can play here. I forgot already. I'm sorry. What did you say? Where are you guys? Uh, Memphis. Memphis. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know, they did. They mingle what's back open. Yeah. Uh, People that live in Nashville. I mean, not live in Nashville, but a company from Nashville owns it now. Well, High Tone still does music. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Y'all are just right up the road. 
Yeah, like I said, that was a really good show when I went. I said I think it was 2014. I want to say when I saw you perform. That there. sounds about right. Yeah, I'm gonna hear skinny. So I don't want to take up too much time. I appreciate all the time you've given us so far. Uh, let me ask you two questions. Uh, what mark do you want to leave on the world, and what's your advice for people? <laughs> um, well, you know, I my music obviously is would probably be the mark I I, I want to you know, leave on the world, you know, I also, I mean, as, as, as kind of cheesy and cliche as it sounds, you know, I also want to be, um, I want to, I want to be seen as a beacon for like people trying to like coexist and get along with each other too. I, 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 uh, I definitely mix music and politics and I think that, I think you're supposed to do that. I don't, I don't like it when people say that you should keep politics out of music. I think that's bullshit. Mm. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, um, I think that as time goes on, people are learning how to live and get along with each other and understand and accept each other. And then I, I, I want to be a part of that. And, you know, I want my music to be a part of that. And, um, you know, my, my advice for people as far as, as music goes is to like, don't is is to make sure it always it's supposed to be fun you know and and do make the music you love like because if you i i've i've known people that like when dubstep blew up you know i knew people that are like that hated it but they would make it because they thought that you know that's what they had oh, to do yeah. here's the thing about music it's like you might not make it and if you spend 20 years of your life making some shit that you don't even like and you don't, and you don't make it, then that's kind of a waste of time. But it's like, if you're, I would be doing, I would be doing what I do if nobody was watching and nobody's listening this, I started out doing this alone in a room and, you know, some, a friend of mine happened to, to, to peek his head in the door and was like, Hey, you should, you know, come, come do this at this bar. And I was like, okay. And it kind of all happened organically, you know? So that's why I make a lot of beats just to make them, you know, not everything I make is, is to be released. Not everything I do is do I consider work or a part of my job or a part of my career or whatever, like have fun, do, do it, do what makes you happy. And, and if you can make a living off of of doing what makes you happy, then it like, it doesn't really get much better than that. You know? Yeah. Dude, that's fucking awesome, man! Hell yeah! <clears throat> like I said, I'm gonna send him that clip to send you of that in, uh, that TikTok guy because I can see you doing the same type of shit that guy's doing. You're like, uh, yeah, yeah, with the mesh. Yeah, mesh I mean, because like I said, you have good music, and you know, there's so many young people out there, or just people in general, that just need something to brighten their day up and to see something that's positive and uplifting. I mean, why not sure. have more of that? Absolutely. So, uh, where can people find you? Um, so, uh, Facebook is DJ Wicket, uh, just DJ W I C K I T. Uh, Instagram is DJ Wicket. Uh, TikTok is Wicket the Instigator, and then on Twitch, it's uh, Twitch.tv slash DJ Wicket. And uh, I think yeah, and then oh, and then oh. I'm uh, my music is on Bandcamp now. Okay. So you can find Wicked the Inst- I, I like Bandcamp a lot. My music is also on SoundCloud. Um so yeah. Uh Bandcamp or, or Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram. 
uh, TikTok, Twitch. My Twitter got hacked, so I'm not on Twitter right now. I, I Damn Elon. Sure. I don't really miss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, my Twitter got hacked. Their customer service is terrible. I tried to get my page back. I wrote a million emails, and I eventually gave up. That's a whole other pan of cupcakes right there. But, yeah. Yeah, Bandcamp and SoundCloud for the music. Twitch for the live streams. Uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram for all the other fun stuff and TikTok. So where is the next place you'll probably be performing live? Uh, I'm playing uh, Atlanta uh, in the middle of June. I got a little bit of time off right now. Okay. Uh, so I have a, I'm playing in Atlanta. Uh, and then I'm go, going back to uh, North Dakota, playing the show up in there. And uh, got some other stuff coming up. But yeah, Atlanta is the next one. So you're gonna be you're gonna be on a tour soon, like after well, North Dakota. You know, touring for me is like I'll go play, I'll go somewhere and play a few shows, and then come home for a couple of days. And oh, like, okay. It's it's the fact that you know it's the fact that it, like bands have to have all their equipment. Like bands have to go from like mm. Nashville to Chattanooga to Knoxville to you know I can. I can play in San Francisco on a Friday night and, and play in Atlanta on a Saturday night. You know, it's like, it's, uh, and there's, and I, I usually don't like stay out on the road. Like I might like fly to California, rent a car, play a couple, play two or three shows and, and then go back home for a few days and then might, and then, and then go somewhere else and kind of do the same thing. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the road. Uh, I, I, I play a lot of shows, but I'm home a lot too. Have you done anything, like <laughs> any like local Memphis artists as far as like, I mean, obviously we have like triple six and little white and people like that, but do y'all ever collab with anybody here? I ha- I haven't. No, I, I mean, I would, I would definitely be down, but no, I don't, I don't even, I don't even think I know uh, any uh, lo- Memphis acts personally, but uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. Little White, Wicked would be a great. Like show. you should do like a Wicked challenge, like where somebody like gives you like a artist or something, and then you make a beat of it or make a mashup of it. Yeah, that'd be fun. I yeah, think yeah. that'd be cool as shit, man. Well, yeah, like maybe do a thing to where like uh, the, whatever comment like gets the most likes or something. Yeah, like yeah, that legit. Yeah would be the winner yeah that, that's that's a good idea wicked wednesday or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah dude that's cool as shit man like i said i appreciate everything you've done for us today i mean because you didn't have to you know come, come on and talk to us and after the fucking bullshit you know issues oh, that was okay, having man. i'm no stranger to technical difficulty and computer shit i know how i guess let me ask you one did you have did you ever hear of dj rectangle Oh, yeah. Man, that was like one of the first ones I heard. I think it was like 99 or something like 2000, possibly. This guy used to work at Best Buy. This guy showed me him. And like the way he like would put the mixes in and then he'll have like like some Kung Fu references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was some cool shit, man. I have some DJ Rectangle records like he 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 actually put out like some people call them battle records. Some people call them scratch records like turntable tools or whatever but yeah yeah he i have some rectangle records and it's like you know it'll be it'll be like ah oh, fresh one two three yeah. four check it out and like so and you, you know any one of those little pieces you want to grab and scratch and then it also has like uh like you're saying it has like the kung fu stuff that 
you know, you, you would use in a battle, you know, mm-hmm. you open up your set with like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of good stuff. Oh man, this has been fun, man. I really do appreciate all your yeah, time. You've given thank, us you, today. thank you guys for, thank you guys for having me. Thanks man. All right. We love you lots. Bye. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys. All right. Later. Bye. Later, man. Thank you.